they enriched us. That's the headline. That's the CNN headline quoting a Martha's Vineyard resident about the 50 illegal aliens who made it to the vineyard after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis gave them free airline tickets to the allegedly pro-migrant, pro-open borders, liberal enclave. They enriched us. But I'm having a little bit of a hard time believing that. If the migrants enriched Martha's Vineyard, how come Martha's Vineyard residents made sure to round them all up and ship them off to a military base within 44 hours of their arrival? If the illegal aliens brought such benefit to the vineyard, why not let them stay and, and keep enriching the community for months and even years to come? I strongly suspect that the Venezuelans who made it to Martha's Vineyard would much rather eat lobster rolls by the water then languish in a military camp at Joint Base Cape Cod, which is where the supposedly inclusive liberals sent them. The liberals contend that the Venezuelans could not stay because, you see, everyone has left Martha's Vineyard for the season. Now, that's obviously not true because there seem to be plenty of residents around in the vineyard to push the migrants onto the buses to get them away from their precious real estate. But even if it were true, all the better. Then there would be plenty of beautiful, spacious, comfortable mansions to house all of the immigrants in houses that are supposedly currently sitting empty. Either way, Martha's Vineyard in September seems like an ideal place to host this very small number of migrants. This fraction of an iota of a drop in the bucket, one one hundredth of the number of illegal aliens who cross our southern border every single day, one one hundredth. Unfortunately, the Martha's Vineyard liberals felt otherwise. After just under two days of terror, the coastal elites have rid their community of its inconvenient Latinos. And now the libs can return to their posture of loving all immigrants from a distance. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from Tin Weasel, who says, Democrats, there are millions of empty homes that can house migrants. Also Democrats. No, 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 not these homes. <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking about suburban homes, conservative areas, red states. Don't you come anywhere near the vineyard. Uh-uh-uh. We are going to round you guys up and ship you off to a military camp within two days. Mark my words. So say the libs. The long... Martha's Vineyard nightmare is over. The liberals can rest easy again. It, it was a humanitarian crisis. That's what they were saying. A, a, <laughs> I'm not making this up. A Martha's Vineyard tourism account, Vis, Visit MV, had tweeted out when the handful of migrants arrived, quote, to our island community. Here is an update on current humanitarian crisis on Martha's Vineyard. We thank people for their continued help. Big press release. Here's how we're doing. What's the crisis? The crisis is 50 people. 50 people is a tour group. 50 people is an extended family. 50 people is nothing compared to not just the United States, not just the illegal immigration problem. It's nothing in Martha's Vineyard. You wouldn't even notice these people. The residents would have noticed them. They don't need all these Venezuelans traipsing around. It's not, that's going to, there goes the neighborhood. That's going to bring down those real estate prices. And so they go into absolute overdrive mode. 
And it, it was a political masterstroke by Ron DeSantis because everything happened exactly as you would think. The, the liberals completely gave away the game. They say 5,000 immigrants into Texas and, Cal- and Arizona and the border states, 5,000 immigrants a day, it doesn't matter, who cares? 2 million illegal immigrants a year, it's no big deal. Suck it up, stop complaining. These are wonderful people. Are, these, are, these are future undocumented Americans. Oh no, oh no, there's one in my neighborhood. Get out the guns, get out, call in the National Guard. No, we can't. Oh my gosh, they... Hold on. Is that a is that a, a day worker? No, no, they're just here to stay. Get them out of here. Get them out. Give me a bus. Ship them off to Gitmo. <laughs> just get them out of my get them out of my neighborhood. And so they hurry them out. I mean, not even two days were these people allowed to stay in Martha's Vineyard before they were shipped off to an actual military camp. And now, now that the the crisis is over, the humanitarian crisis, they're all standing around. They go, ah, 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 I'm, I mean. Uh, yeah, I, and I sure love those immigrants. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I really love the immigrants. They, uh, they enriched us. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the headline, migrants' 44-hour visit leaves indelible mark on Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, it leaves raised blood pressure. It leaves, leaves pools of sweat where these, these liberal <laughs> residents were standing. What an indelible mark. No, it's not an indelible mark. An indelible mark would be if the immigrants had been allowed to stay, had, had the wealthy Martha's Vineyard residents, all liberals, said, hey, handful of Venezuelans, you're allowed to stay here. And then they could have stayed and remained in a community, and maybe they could have talked to one another. Maybe they would have gone to the same restaurants and gone to the same churches. Not that the libs on Martha's Vineyard go to church, but they would have gone to the same community places, maybe gone to the beach together. That would have been an indelible mark because they would have brought those people into their communities. But that's not, that's not what the libs want from immigration. I think that the libs, some of the libs sincerely like the idea, at least, of immigration. But they like it because then they can go to the fun little Mexican restaurant once a month. Ooh, gosh, what would America be without those fun, tasty little tacos? Hi, hi, Consuela. Oh, nice to see you too. All right, see you next month. Bye-bye. They like, that's what they like about immigration. They like the idea of immigration because they get a little flavor. You know, it's like going on a vacation. They like, to, they like to be able to go try something exotic for a few days and then come home and not have to deal with anything else. They like to go to the fun foreign exotic restaurant and then, then come home and not have to deal with anything else. That's not community. Community is when you bring people in and you stay with people in perpetuity and you make them part of your daily lives and you bring them into your schools, and you bring them into, you have dinner with them, and you spend time with them, and you speak to them. That's not what the Martha's Vineyard people want from immigration. That's not what the libs want from immigration. The libs want to flood the country with immigrants at the cynical level because it gives them a major electoral advantage, but even at the idealistic level, because it seems really nice and welcoming and inclusive. They just don't want to include them. They want someone else to include them. They want to get all the credit for feeling really nice and welcoming and give me your poor huddled masses at the poem at Ellis Island. But they don't want the poor huddled masses. The poor huddled masses don't get to come to Martha's Vineyard. They go to your town, coincidentally, where they'll give Democrats the biggest political advantage and where 
the immigration will bring crime and will bring drugs and will bring rape, all the sort, and will bring murders and will bring all the sort of things that Donald Trump got in trouble for saying it will bring. That will happen. Do you know why that will happen? It's not because the Venezuelans are just a sort of genetically criminal people. It's because the only way to illegally immigrate to the United States is to pay off the cartels to pay off some of the most vicious criminal organizations in the world. And then when they arrive here in the United States, they're all in debt to the cartels. And you know how they pay that debt off? They pay that debt off by running drugs, by prostitution, by all sorts of organized crime. It is, it is not possible to tolerate illegal immigration without simultaneously encouraging more organized crime. And they sure don't want that in Martha's Vineyard. Okay, they want that in Del Rio, and they want that in El Paso, and they want that in your town, not in their town. They enriched us. Do you know what they really think? Do you know what the liberals actually believe about all of this when you get them into a private room and they don't need to be pretending and they don't need to be trying to signal their virtue to everybody? This is what they believe. They accidentally put it in an NBC News article and then accidentally tweeted it out. NBC News right here, official account. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like, quote, me taking my trash out and just driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. A founding member of a foundation which helps refugees says. And then they tag NBC Latino. They are literally comparing the immigrants to trash. That's how they view them. And that's not just how accidentally some NBC reporter views them. That's how the residents of Martha's Vineyard view them. The residents of Martha's Vineyard hauled these immigrants out of their town much faster than they would haul their trash out the night before the truck comes. And for exactly the same reason, they view these people as human trash. They don't want any part of them. They'll, for the cameras, they'll maybe give them a little hug, probably like one of those weird awkward hugs, you know, you get, you kind of where you don't even lean in that much, but you kind of pat them on the back and they say, okay, get on that bus. Bye-bye. See you later. That's how they actually view them. And then, and then, we're the bad guys because we say, hey, let's not encourage millions of illegal aliens every year. Hey, hey, maybe, maybe a nation needs borders and maybe the citizens of a nation have the right to determine who gets to come in and stay. No, we're the bad, evil, awful guys. Meanwhile, they think of the, the immigrants as trash. Obviously, it's hypocrisy. Obviously, it's a double standard. None of that matters. None of it matters. Well, imagine if the shoe were on the other foot. Imagine the double standard. Yeah, of course, that's true. The, the takeaway here is not to try to persuade the liberals that they're hypocrites. They know it. The Martha's Vineyard people know that they're hypocrites deep down, okay? The point here, the takeaway is do not let them guilt you. Do not let them lay it on thick and make some completely disingenuous moral argument about immigration. They don't believe any of it themselves. They're just tricking you. They're just tricking you to, to harm yourself politically and to tolerate an actual unjust action, which is illegal immigration, because it advances their political agenda. Don't buy it. Just throw that out the window, okay? Because if we destroy all of our borders, if we get rid of everything that distinguishes us as a country, the country's going to die. You're going to die someday too. Regardless of what happens, at some point you will die. That's why you need Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. The Daily Wire has been closely following the tragic death of an actress earlier this month. And however tragic and shocking, the underreported story is that she died without a will, leaving her son to file court papers to control her estate. Do not let this happen to you. It's, it's a nightmare scenario. Do you really want to burden your kids with this while they're still grieving? Take five minutes today. Set up your will with Epic Will. A complete will package with Epic Will provides you with 
so much more than just the protection of your assets. They look at your whole legacy, your finances, your medical wishes, your responsibilities as a parent or caregiver. They bundle your last will, living will, healthcare power of attorney, HIPAA release, and durable financial power of attorney in one easy package to make sure that your entire legacy, everything you leave behind, is protected. And they make it incredibly easy and affordable. It only costs 119 bucks for a single person to create a will, and when you use promo code Knowles, you will save 10%. Do yourself and your loved ones a favor. Make sure you have a will in place today. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That's epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. Ron DeSantis especially, Greg Abbott as well, they, they are getting the credit for this strategy of busing and flying the illegal immigrants to the blue cities. Though, I got to give credit where credit is due, and it happens to be to a buddy of mine with whom I host a podcast, Ted Cruz. It, maybe it's to his political benefit that the media aren't blaming him for this, but this actually was Ted Cruz's idea. <laughs> He's been talking about it on our verdict show for months now, and he actually introduced legislation to make this happen as a matter of federal law. So a while ago, uh, this was last year, Ted Cruz introduced what, what he called the Stop the Surge Act, and the Stop, Stop the Surge Act would force uh, Joe Biden to open 13 new ports of entry for, for immigrants. And so it wouldn't just be along, right along that southern border and all those little border towns. The, the new ports of entry would include Block Island, Rhode Island, Greenwich, Connecticut, Martha's Vineyard, Cambridge, Massachusetts, where Harvard is, Governor's Island, New York, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, that's where Joe Biden is from, Nantucket, Newport, Scarsdale, New York, Palo Alto, California, with all the techno libs, Yountville, California, St. Helena, California, and uh, North Hero, Vermont, which is where Bernie Sanders is from. So this was his idea. uh, Cruz tweeted out in response to this wonderful new campaign. He said, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, next. Tagged Greg Abbott, tagged Ron DeSantis. Same thing with Palo Alto, same thing with Nantucket. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. The reason is this. One, I don't think it's particularly unjust to the migrants. I think giving migrants a free ticket to the nicest, a voluntary free ticket to the nicest communities in America, the most beautiful geography in these lovely coastal towns, I think that's actually kind of a nice thing. I would much rather, if I were a a Venezuelan migrant who just traipsed all the way up through Central America, crossed over the Rio Grande, I would much rather chill on Martha's Vineyard than in El Paso or Del Rio, okay? And so I, I don't think it's particularly unjust to the migrants. Also, the migrants are committing a crime and they should be arrested and deported, but maybe they get a lobster roll in the meantime. And two, you need leverage in politics, Okay, this is what the, the, this is the lesson of this whole stunt. You need leverage in politics. You can complain until you're blue in the face about how the border states have to deal with illegal immigration and the liberals are encouraging a problem they don't have to face. And you know what the liberals are going to say? Okay. Yeah, right. Totally. But it's wrong and it's in violation of our laws and you can't do this. Yeah, they can do this. They don't care. They have no, the, the liberals in Martha's Vineyard or Palo Alto or any of the other places do, could not possibly care less about the illegal immigration problem. It helps them, if anything, and there's no downside to them continuing to support it, unless we start sending planefuls and bus, busloads full of these immigrants to their towns. Then all of a sudden it becomes a political problem. This should not be just one stunt. Okay, this needs to continue. 
forget about 50 a day. That was the shot across the bow. 50, the 50 to, to just show up and make a point, that's great. And we did make the point and we showed the libs for the absolute hypocrites that they are. But now it's got to be a, a, a strategy. You've got to not just freak out a small enclave of beach-going bazillionaires. Okay, you've got to make this a political problem for Democrats. It is, it is an affirmatively good thing to ship these migrants up to these liberal towns. One, because the border cities and towns should not have to shoulder this themselves. Two, I don't, I don't, I actually think it's sort of, at least on the margins, nicer for the, for the immigrants to go through this experience. But three, it's the only way to show Americans, not just the, the liberal politicians, but their liberal constituents, what the problem actually is to impel them to action, to, to shut down the border, okay, to stop this mass migration problem, which is horrible for everybody. Okay, got to keep it up. You can tell the politicians are getting freaked out. Muriel Bowser, the mayor of DC, who initially, all of them, they said, oh, this is wonderful. We're a sanctuary city. We're glad, actually, we're glad you're sending us migrants. Yep, that's the right thing to do. And then like seven migrants show up. They say, it's too much. We don't have the resources. And now, now she's going out. She's saying, well, you got to stop this, Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott, because DC is not, a, we're not a border city. We're not a border town. We don't have an infrastructure uh, to handle uh, this this type of and a level of immigration to our city. But we will will create a new normal here in our infrastructure and have a, a humane welcome for people and an efficient, um, you know, service provision. But we we don't have the ability. We're not Texas. Yeah, you are now though. Is the thing. Well, we're not a border town. Yeah, now you are. But we don't have the infrastructure. Better build it. You better build it pretty quick. It's, this is not like it's a new problem. The illegal immigration problem's been going on for 50 years since the Democrats started it, since the Democrats intentionally opened up our border to flood the country with illegal aliens half a century ago, more than half a century ago. So yeah, it, now, it, uh, you should have probably started to build that infrastructure a little earlier. You just thought you'd never have to deal with the consequences of your own actions, but now you do. So you are, you are a border town. I'm glad she says she's going to build the infrastructure. I'm glad she says she's going to ramp up the resources. I'm glad she says she's going to welcome these people with open arms. Great. Wonderful. I mean, obviously, federal law enforcement should deport the illegal aliens. But okay, you're at, at the level of the mayor, you're going to welcome these people. That's great. One thing she said that's not true. She said, we're not a border town. Yes, you are. Now you are. So is Chicago. So is New York. So is Los Angeles. So is San Francisco. So is Palo Alto. So is Martha's Vineyard. So is Nantucket. All these places and more. By the way, the, the, the final little cherry on top to how, what a brilliant political strategy this is, the, the, the one critique is, well, look, it's just wrong to give these people airplane tickets and ship them into the interior of the country when maybe that's not where they want to go. Maybe that they should, you, sh- you shouldn't trick them into going to parts on the inside of the country, right? That, what's wrong is, is, this extra step, these poor people, some of them come with children, some of them, a lot, most of them don't come with children, but some of them do. It's wrong to add this extra step of travel for these migrants, except, except that Joe Biden has done the exact same thing. And he hasn't done it for just 50 people to Martha's Vineyard. He's done it consistently. Many, many of these flights, a lot of this transportation to get the migrants from the border states when they stop being totally politically useful there into places where they are more politically useful. So a reporter finally asked Karine Jean-Pierre, White House 
press secretary about this. And hold on, Joe Biden's done exactly the same thing at a much larger scale than DeSantis did. How is this different? He said it was essentially no different than what the federal government has done in uh, sending, you know, flights in the middle of the night. That's the way he's characterized it. Uh, you know, uh, taking migrants to various different states. Do you have a response to that? So we are offering solutions. That's what the Biden-Harris administration has been doing since day one, including on the first day putting forth a comprehensive immigration reform to deal with this issue. We have given DHS record funding. We have advanced policies. What have they done? Uh, they do these political stunts. They vote against our funding requests. They vote against policies to fix this broken system. Stunts aren't solutions here. Uh, stunts aren't policies. We're over, uh, we're over here trying to govern, trying to actually fix a system that has been broken for some time, trying to fix a system that was decimated by the last administration. And all we're seeing is from them is petty and dangerous stunts. This is dangerous. They're putting children's lives at risk. They're putting families' lives at risk. You keep talking about what the other guy is doing, but you did the same thing. She never addresses the, the actual question, which is, hey, you guys did the same thing. So how is this different? And her answer is, well, we're offering solutions. Yeah, you're offering the same solution they are. You're just doing it at a much larger scale and you're criticizing them for doing it and you're boasting that you did it. It reminds me of, there was a, a great exchange in the 2012 Republican presidential primaries when Herman Cain was running and he had his, his famous 999 tax plan. This percent, 9%, 9%, 9%. He said it's the 999 plan, and he said it was going to do all these great things. And during the debate, the moderator said, you know, Mr. Kane, uh, the Bloomberg analysts have looked at your tax plan, and they found out that it would actually not achieve the things that you want it to achieve. So uh, what's wrong with their analysis? And his answer was, well, the problem with that analysis is that it is incorrect. I just love that answer. I'm going to use it myself. But obviously, it is not an answer because you're not explaining what's wrong. That's what she just did. Well, the difference is that it's totally different. The different, you know what the difference is? You know what the difference is? The difference is that they're Democrats and we're Republicans. And so when Democrats and Republicans do the exact same thing, it's good for Democrats, it's bad for Republicans. When Democrats do anything, that's good and that's wonderful and that's compassionate, including deporting illegals within 44 hours and sending them to a military camp. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. That's compassionate. That's welcoming the stranger. But when Republicans do anything at all, that's evil, that's terrible, they're Nazis, they're fascists. This isn't hyperbole. This is, what the, this is what the president of the United States is saying. It's awful. It's a threat to our democracy. It's an insurrection. Couldn't possibly be worse. That's the difference. Difference is not the action. Biden and DeSantis did the same thing. The, the difference is who did it. And when Republicans do anything, we're Nazis. This is what CNN just said. CNN, when covering the, the Ron DeSantis strategy up here, he points to the, he was interviewing someone about a new documentary on the Holocaust, and he had to make the comparison. We woke up to the news this morning that Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida sent two plane loads of migrants uh, to Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts, including kids and whatnot. And I'm not saying this is not a one for one. This is not a parallel here in any way. But it does address some of the same themes 
that are part of this documentary. It does when you when you give illegal immigrants a free voluntary vacation to Martha's Vineyard, one of the nicest places in the world, pretty much like Auschwitz, you know, it's kind of it's just like Hitler. You know, because you see Governor DeSantis drinks water and Hitler drank water. So it's like it's look, I'm not making the comparison. I'm just telling you Ron DeSantis is Hitler. But I'm not comparing the two. It's just like everything I don't like is the Holocaust, you know? Is but I'm not saying that, but I'm certainly strongly insinuating it. Don't you think? Don't you think? Yeah, what about when the Libs deported all of those migrants? It was that like the Holocaust? No, that was good. No, that was good. It was just, it was just what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? You know what the takeaway is. It's not the hypocrisy. So much for the tolerant left. The takeaway is when these people invoke Nazism, fascism, Hitler, racism, any of the, any of the isms, any, it's fake. Just ignore it. Let it go in one ear and out the other. They don't mean it. It doesn't mean anything today anyway. Just laugh at them. It's just like Hitler. Okay. All right. It's Ronald Reagan to Jimmy Carter. There you go again. There you go again with the Hitler talk. Now, speaking of the authority of the total state, of the Biden, capricious, rule-at-a-whim kind of total state, there, there is some good news, I'm pleased to announce, from the White House. The pandemic, after, what, two and a half, three years of 15 days to slow the spread, the, the longest 15 days ever in recorded history, after all that time, the pandemic is over. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Why is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over because Joe Biden says it is. Is the pandemic over because anything has changed about COVID in the last week or two weeks or six months or year? No, nothing about COVID has changed or frankly, even like two years. No, nothing has substantially changed. The reason the pandemic is over is because Joe Biden says so. And the way that we rule now in in the total state is that if Joe Biden tomorrow comes out and says, we've got a pandemic again, then they would all believe it, okay? He says, look, we're not wearing masks. Joe Biden never wore a mask. He would occasionally put one on for the cameras, but very rarely, even when he issued his own mask mandate, he would violate it and his family would violate it constantly because it was never about COVID, because the pandemic, such as it was, never posed anywhere near the threat that the libs told us it did. It was just a means of control. And the pandemic was just part and parcel of the broader Democrat power grab. And the irony, of course, is that the more power they take, the more they ruthlessly suppress the dissent, the more they prattle on about our democracy. But we, our, our current form of government, the shape of the regime, is much, much closer to oligarchy than it is to a democracy. American government has never been a democracy exactly. The, the word democracy does not appear in the Declaration or the Constitution. When it appears in the Federalist Papers, it is only invoked negatively. It's only <laughs> criticized and, and invoked with disapproval. Okay, we have a regime that has parts of certainly a, some democratic representation, especially in the early days, and then a kind of aristocratic element to it for the aristocratic interests, and you see that especially in the, in the Senate, and a, a representation for the states. And then it's even got a kind of monarchical aspect too in the strong executive power in one man. 
So it's, it's a regime that has different elements, okay? And over time, that has changed. And they took away a lot of the power of the Senate, took away a lot of the power of the states by directly electing the senators. That changes the nature of the regime. Took away a lot of the power of the people by expanding the federal bureaucracy. And now I think the system that we live under, is it was always kind of messy, but I think it's just much, much closer to an oligarchy. And then the, the ruling class, the Democratic Party, which is the kind of representative of the broader ruling class, they now tell us that if you even consider voting for a Republican, you are a threat to our democracy. So if you've got a, an ostensibly two-party system where it is completely unacceptable, and you're being told this by the government, it's unacceptable to vote for the party out of power, then you don't really have a two-party system. You don't really have a, anything even really resembling a democracy. You've got a kind of total state. And what I mean by the total state is that the, the regime ideology infects everything. Okay, it's not, it's not just that the, the government is over here pushing its own views, but you've still, you can still do what you want in your churches and in your schools and in your civic associations. That's not it. Just use the case of LGBT. The government right now is actively forcing the LGBT ideology on all of the other ostensibly free institutions, such that if a school doesn't teach LGBT ideology, that school will be punished. That school will lose funding. That school can be sued by the government. If employers don't embrace LGBT, they will for sure be taken to court by the government. Even churches now, that's why they're trying to pass this federal marriage bill. The federal marriage bill is effectively would outlaw opposition to the LGBT ideology for all nonprofit groups, including churches that could lose their tax-exempt status and basically would just destroy the church. And you see this in entertainment if a movie doesn't toe the line on, just to use the example of LGBT, that movie will be heavily suppressed. That, that movie will be, companies will be anathema. That, that's what I mean by the total, total state. It's not just some narrow area of public policy or this, you know, within this particular jurisdiction. No, it's the whole thing, okay? And Joe Biden is saying that that is, that is the democracy, the democracy is what, <laughs> whatever he and his cronies say that it is. You, you really see this with the FBI. So there's a report out now by the Washington Times. No one is talking about this. The, the uh, Speaking of Nazis earlier, uh, Joe Biden accused of pressuring the FBI to fabricate extremist and white supremacist cases. This is amazing. This is another example of the Nostradamus phenomenon. I mentioned this on the show a week or two ago. I said the demand for anti-black racism is much, much higher than the supply. And so what, ha what happens is it's, it's not just that uh, we can all get along and say, oh, this is great. We don't have all these racial problems in the country that perhaps we once did or, or that we would fear. No, no, no. What happens is people just fabricate the, the racial incidents. And you see this on campuses all around the country. Virtually any time there's been a racial hate incident, an anti-black racial hate incident, it's been fabricated by black students themselves or by left-wing activists. I, I ran through a litany of these the other day on the show. There's a, a whole list of them in my book, Speechless. So now we're, we're seeing this proven, proven correct, at least according to the Washington Times. Rank and file FBI agents are accusing the Biden administration of exaggerating the threat of white supremacists and pressuring agents to cook up domestic terrorist cases involving racist extremists. Current and former FBI agents told the Washington Times that the perceived white supremacist threat is overblown by the administration. We all knew that. Here's the part that's, that's really shocking. They said top bureau officials are pressuring FBI agents to create domestic terrorist cases and tag people as white supremacists to meet internal metrics. You know, 
At the end of the month, you got to watch, you got to be a little bit more careful when you drive. Why? Because we know that police departments very often have quotas to give out speeding tickets. And you'll notice this, that you're more likely to get a speeding ticket at certain times of the month than at other times. According to these FBI agents speaking to the Washington Times, it's the same thing with the feds. And, and instead of quotas for speeding tickets, it's quotas for neo-Nazis and white supremacists because they don't exist. The only time they exist is when David Duke goes on CNN occasionally and they say, there it is. Here's the Ku Klux Klan. But it, they, they're not real. Okay. It's imaginary. Put that away with Bigfoot and the boogeyman. And this is what the, the agents say, quote, the demand for white supremacy coming from FBI headquarters vastly outstrips the supply of white supremacy. They must be listening to this show. The agents obviously speaking on condition of anonymity. We have more people assigned to investigate white supremacists than we can actually find. Of course. And that's why you see so many FBI hoaxes and so much entrapment and so much egging on of people to, to try to commit some kind of even vaguely white flavored crimes. You saw it in Michigan with the Gretchen Whitmer plot. You see, you see it all around the country. They're going to keep doing this. And why do I believe the report? Yes, it's anonymous reporting. I mean, I trust the Washington Times. Why do I believe it? Because we know that the FBI has been so politicized over the years. We know, we just saw. First of all, we know the FBI spied on the Trump campaign illegally. We know the FBI and the DOJ undermined the Trump administration. And we know that the FBI just kicked down the door at Mar-a-Lago at the request of the Attorney General Merrick Garland, at the order of the Attorney General Merrick Garland, who's a, a Democrat hack political appointee by Joe Biden. You can see them, them talking about this. The, guy, the, the FBI agents are complaining about this. The FBI agents, they're saying that they're basically being used as political tools. No question about it. No question about it. I really strongly encourage you to go check out the report at the Washington Times. Because that is a real threat. So you, you think about all of this. The country is in absolute turmoil on every single metric. Biden is failing. He's underwater, not just in terms of his performance, but in terms of popular approval. He's underwater on everything, including COVID. That's why he's got to say that the pandemic is over now to try to get that back in the news. So you think it'd be a slam dunk that we could beat Joe Biden in 2024, right? But I don't know. A lot of Republicans are cautious about this because we say, I don't know, they're probably just going to rig it. I don't know, they're probably going to change all the election rules again to give themselves an advantage. I don't know, they're probably going to do this, they're going to do that. Is it, in a free and fair election, there is not a single chance that Joe Biden could win re-election. There's no way. He would have to step down. Someone else would have to come in. And yet now we don't know because we don't really have faith in the electoral system. Democrats haven't had faith in the electoral system for a while, or at the very least, they've sought to undermine it when they lose in 2000, 2016, and 2018. And then when they changed all the rules last time, the Republicans started to say, guys, this doesn't seem very fair to me. So what happens now? What's going to happen in 2024? Joe Biden was just asked on 60 Minutes, are you going to run for re-election? And for the first time, he didn't give a clear answer. Sir, are you committed to running again, or are there certain conditions that have to be right? Look, if I were to say to you, I'm running again, all of a sudden, a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do. In terms of election laws. In terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, 
My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. This is the clearest evidence so far that Joe Biden will not run because he's using the election laws as an excuse not to be clear here. But I've never heard a sitting president talk like this. So I, look, I don't know, man, I'm a respecter of fate. We'll see what happens. I've got this soft intention, but we'll see. And it's because it's just so obvious. The man can barely form an English sentence at this point. He's such an abject failure. The party doesn't want him to run. They want to put up a different candidate. And this is the clearest evidence yet. If you ask me to bet today, will Joe Biden run in 2024? I would bet that he will not run in 2024. The only reason I would hedge that bet is because there is no one to replace him. Kamala and Pete Buttigieg are complete non-starters. They're going nowhere. Gavin Newsom maybe has a shot, but he's even he is, is not a very strong candidate to replace Joe Biden. And it just looks like such weakness from the Democrats. For an incumbent to choose not to run again looks so incredibly weak that they don't know what to do. The, the Democrats have all of this power, but when it comes to actually presenting their case to the American people, they fail. And so now they're sputtering and they're contradicting themselves. They don't know what to say. If you've been thinking to yourself, hey, it's been a while since I've heard from Candace Owens. Have I got news for you? Candace is back from maternity leave. She's got a brand new Daily Wire Plus show, Candace Owens. The first show, Candace. Next show, Candace Owens. Maybe the third show, we'll use her middle name. She is fearlessly exploring topics that the media will not touch and exposing the corruption and hypocrisy in news and politics. Best part is it's five days a week, Monday through Friday. You will not want to miss her explosive first episode, which premiered last week on Daily Wire Plus. Trust me when I say it is huge. Watch Candace Owens' new show now on Daily Wire Plus or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking of indecision, there is a bizarre new surgery that is sweeping plastic surgeon offices around the country. It is not transgenderism. That had been developed really in the 60s and 70s. And then the surgeons and the doctors who developed it realized that it wasn't actually helping anybody. So they tried to shut it down, but the cat was out of the bag. That obviously has been around for a long time. And it's where you saw off parts of people's forearms and legs and use it to create a kind of pale imitation of genitals and affix it to ever younger people. And it's really horrifying. It's the stuff of nightmares and it should all be illegal. No, somehow though, there is something even creepier. Somehow, it's that this phenomenon of you think you've gotten to the bottom of the slippery slope, and then you just slip down further. There is a new surgery. It is called gender nullification surgery, colloquially referred to as the Ken doll surgery. This surgery is for patients who identify as non-binary. The surgeries uh, represent alternatives to the traditional transgender surgery. You know we're far, far afield of anything resembling normal when, when transgender surgery is the traditional option to the new crazy one, which is the non-binary surgery. So this includes sex nullification or, or where you get to keep both of them. So I'm not even going to use the terms there, but basically you, you just recreate, you create a new, a new sex organ, but you keep the other sex organ and, or you just erase your sex organs altogether. This uh, from Mosaic Care, which offers this mutilation. Quote, we understand that some patients will not be looking specifically for binary surgeries. For gender diverse, expansive, non-binary patients, we offer individualized surgical options. Examples include penile preservation. Oh, I accidentally, I guess I am saying the names. Vaginoplasty, vaginal 
vaginal preservation with metoidioplasty and nullification. Guess where this center is located, by the way? I'll give you one. It's San Francisco. Yes, obviously it's San Francisco. Uh, Do you know how many adults in America identify as non-binary? Because I thought, okay, look, this should be illegal. Doctors take the Hippocratic Oath first to do no harm. Uh, These quacks should be in prison or they should be in psych wards themselves. And the poor people who want to chop off all of their genitals or to have multiple types of genitals or whatever, these guys obviously need serious psychological treatment and spiritual treatment as well. Okay, but how many people could it be? What, a handful? What, a hundred people in the country? Maybe if I were to give you my craziest guess, I'd say a thousand people. Now, according to a UCLA survey, over one million Americans identify as non-binary. One million. That number is only going to grow because it's a social contagion. Are all of those people going to go under the knife? Probably not. I hope not. But the, but the more this contagion spreads, the more people are going to do it. And what is non-binary? The, the, the easiest way I can explain what non-binary is, is my name is Legion for we are many. Okay. The, the easiest way that I could explain what non-binary is, is someone who is creating multiple personalities in their own head or who involuntarily uh, senses the, the presence of, non, of multiple personalities in their own head and who at a more basic level rejects his own humanity. Because that's what this is. Men, human beings are male or female. In the beginning, God created man, both male and female created he them. Sexual difference is at the center of human life. It's at the center of politics. It's obviously at the center of the family. It's at the center of the way we all live together. To deny your sex is to deny your, your own humanity. And you see this in an extreme way. You see this in, in one way with certain just beha- social behaviors. When men act like women, when women act like men, that is a relatively uh, modest rejection of their humanity and their own roles in nature. When you go further and you say, I'm a man, but I identify as a woman, and maybe you chop off parts of your body and you try to present yourself as a woman, that is a much further rejection of your humanity. And then when you say, I reject sex altogether, I am non-binary or agender or whatever, that is a much, much further rejection of your humanity. You're saying, not only do I reject my actual sex, I reject the concept of sex entirely. It's at an even higher level. So we all agree on that. I think pretty much all of us agree on the transgender thing. But that first part that I said, that's the one that's going to raise the flags. That's what's going to get the clip at Media Matters. That's the one that, ever, that even a lot of conservatives are going to say, whoa there, buddy, I don't know that we can... What, you're telling me men have certain roles and obligations in society and they have to behave in a certain way? Oh, I don't know. And women have a certain role in society and they, broadly speaking, are obligated to fulfill some of those roles, roles that are different from the roles that men have? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you have to. If you don't acknowledge that part, you're just going to end up at the same place. It, th- this is why all this crazy transgender, pangender, non-gender, whatever stuff, it doesn't just go back five years. It doesn't just go back even 10 years. It doesn't even go back 20 or 30 years to the beginning of the gay rights movement. It goes back to feminism because they all, feminism, gay rights, and the transgender movement all share the same fundamental premise, namely that men and women are interchangeable. Women, the, the 
feminist movement says a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. The feminist movement says men and women are basically exactly the same. They might look a little bit different, but and we're going to change that through fashion. But yes, where men and women are pretty much identical. And that's just not true. Men and women are, are different and complementary. And when you accept that premise, then you inevitably have to get to not only gay rights, you have to redefine marriage. Because if men and women are interchangeable, then of course you need to redefine marriage to say that two men in a union is the same as two women in a union is the same as a man and a woman. And once you do that, if, you follow, if you're just following the same premise, then you've got to get to transgenderism. Because if men and women are effectively the same, then sure, have a little nip tuck or don't, doesn't matter. Call yourself a woman, call yourself a man, there's no difference. So you can't, you can't undo the rot by only going halfway. There's no splitting the baby here. You've got, to, you've got to rip out that whole premise, root and branch. And that requires us, it was a point that I made just the other day on the show, and I made it during a NatCon speech that caused some controversy. I think we need to talk about sex and transgenderism a little bit differently, okay? It's not just, you know, well, a man has a Y chromosome and women have two X chromosomes, and that's that. You know, a man has this body part and a woman has this body part. No, it's not just at the level of the body. It's at the level of the soul as well. We actually have to accept or at least understand what the libs are talking about when they talk about gender expression. Yeah, gender expression is real. It's true. Men can act like girls. Girls can act like boys. You just shouldn't (laughs) because you have duties and obligations. And to get back to the Vito Corleone, Don Corleone, Johnny Fontaine standard of sexual difference, you can act like a man. What's the matter with you? What is the matter with you? You see this now. This story is really something else. A teacher in Canada uh, is uh, causing a little bit of a stir at his school because he is showing up to class dressed up as a woman with breasts that are larger than, than not, not only larger than the balloons at my child's birthday party, they're, they're probably the size of like four bowling balls each. Okay, and he has this, there, this was not surgically done. It would be impossible to stri- stretch the skin that far. There's no letter. I can't tell you it's a double D or E or F or G. There's no letter. It's probably like a double X, okay? And so he shows up with this prosthetic on, dressed up like a woman, looking like a complete crazy person, which he is. And the students rightly raised some questions and said, hey, you know, this is kind of weird, right? And there's videos of it going around the internet. And the guy, obviously, I don't mean to make fun of the guy. The guy's obviously completely out of his mind and should see a psychiatrist and probably be committed. But he's now in our, in our insane society is permitted not only to kind of run around humiliating himself and acting like a madman, but he's, he's permitted to educate, miseducate students. And then this was brought to the school. And what did the school say? Did the school take the side of reason and normality and the students and the parents? Or did the, the side, school take the side of sexual anarchy and this maniac teacher? You know the answer. School said, we're aware of discussion on social media in, and in the media regarding Oakville Trafalgar High School. This in a letter to parents. We would like to take this opportunity to reiterate to our community that we are committed to establishing and maintaining a safe, caring, inclusive, equitable, and welcoming learning and working environment for all students and staff. We strive to promote positive learning and ensure a safe environment for all students and staff and community, regardless of race, age, ability, sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, ethnicity, on and on and on and on and on. Religion, on and on and on. Now, of course, you can't do both. You can't protect the sort of sexual maniacs, their freedom to do whatever they want in public, and the freedom of people based on their religion not to have this nonsense shoved down their throats. What does this come down to? 
this isn't just, okay, we're going to pass a law to stop this specific thing. You can only have prosthetics that go up to, to C cup, okay? You can't go to double X, okay? You can, no, obviously that's not how you're going to handle it. The problem here is that there are protections for what's called SOGI, sexual orientation and gender identity. As long as there are legal protections in Canada or the United States, now we have them in both places, as long as there are legal protections where you can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity, then you can't stop this. Because someone could just say, my sexual orientation is to have like gigantic triple Z prosthetic breasts on, even though I'm a man, and to wear high heels and stilettos in class and a, and a wig. That's my gender identity. That's my sexual orientation and expression. And if you dare oppose me, you you awful parents and students and people with two brain cells and, and a normal sense of things, if you ever oppose me, I'm going to take you to court. And, and as long as you have a protection for this bizarre amorphous category, sexual orientation, gender identity, that's what you're going to get. The only way out of this is to repeal those protections. It, they're ridiculous. The prote- those protections weren't in place until just a few years ago because Neil Gorsuch decided to completely squish on the Supreme Court and enshrined in civil rights law a protection for SOGI, for, for gender expression or whatever. Well, what can be done by a robed lawyer on the Supreme Court can be undone, especially when it's this radical. But conservatives have to go that far. If, if conservatives think that they're going to solve this problem by just go, squishing in the middle and saying, okay, well, you know, your mini skirt has to, <laughs> listen, mister, your mini skirt has to go down at least to three inches above your knee, then we're not going to win. Well, mister, okay, you can only, we've got to approve your prosthetic by the Bureau of Transgender Bras or something. It's not going to work, okay? You've got to rip this out root and branch. The rest of the show is continuing now. Today is Music Monday, all right? And so on Music Monday, the producers find a song. They want me to give my expert analysis because, you know, I'm a big hip hopper, baby. I'm Wonder Mike. I've come to say hello to the white, the black, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I've got to tell you to head on over to the member block. Today, we've got a song. I have not listened to it yet. It's a song by Lizzo. And so I'm going to give you my most erudite Uh, literary and music criticism. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We'll see you there in just a second. 